Hello, Kubernetes community, and welcome back to the PodCuddle podcast. We are kind of back into the mainstream of 2018. We're, we're get back into doing shows. Tyler, how are you uh, coping with 2018 so far? Uh, so far, so good. Uh, I'm a little. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling with. Uh, I saw some some release notes in the uh, in the last uh, version of Kube. Uh, one of the um, um, issues that got closed. They, they they put in what the pronunciation for for Kube CTL is actually Kube Control. Uh-oh. So they're they're saying we need you know we need this needs pod control. I don't, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm buying that. Uh, so we may we may have does that mean we officially in order to be able to get the certification of a certified Kubernetes podcast we now need to be the pod control podcast is that what they're saying I I think so I mean we'll have to see what the end to end tests that they apply to the uh, to the podcast to uh, see if we need that to pass All right well that's uh, that's on our that's on our backlog list for, uh, for 2018 now. <laughs> So one of the things we thought we would do, so one of the one of the challenges of doing a podcast, especially a weekly podcast, is finding guests. And um, you know, we have a whole bunch of guests lined up and from time to time, you know, some schedules conflict and things change and you know, you'll have a guest lined up and then they'll go, ah, something came up, can we do it another week? And you know, sort of knowing that in advance, we said, well, maybe one of the things we should do is, you know, we just got done with KubeCon. KubeCon had an awesome amount of really good sessions and technical sessions and so forth is we thought, well, maybe what we'll do is for some of the shows where we don't have guests, um, instead of us just sort of rambling, what we'll do is we'll take some of the content that came out of the sessions, uh, especially the real good technical sessions and, and sort of popular technical sessions and kind of do reviews on them, dive a little bit into that technology, um, you know, highlight to people where they should sort of focus on some things. And so that's one of the things we're going to try and do this week is, we decided to start with a topic that you know got a lot of publicity uh, when it came out in uh, I think it was 1.8 release it was either 1.7 or 1.8 release which was RBAC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, role-based uh access control, you know, n- slightly new to uh to Kube, but you know, a concept in IT that's that's been around for a while, right? The whole authorization versus authentication uh kind of split and, and it's really hey, you know, versus you know, we're, we're, you know, we're doing either you have full control or no control or, or just, you know, sort of a, a more canonical way of, of controlling access to things. And, and, you know, the, uh, in the session that we, uh, that we saw, um, from, uh, from Jordan Liggett, you know, he, he said it best, I think at the top, which is concept is best described as can, you know, blank noun, you know, do a verb to an object at a location. Yep. You know, so can a person or service or whatever do an action, create, delete, you know, list and the object, you know, deployment, pod, whatever. And location is in this namespace or the whole cluster or what have you. Yep. Yeah. So I thought what we would do today is, is kind of go through Jordan's talk. It's, uh, you know, if you watch the video, the video is about 35 minutes and includes some Q&A at the end. So, you know, it's going to take you 20 to 25 minutes. You can you can speed it up on YouTube, which is nice. Um, and, the, you know, and the nice thing I, I thought we would try and focus on more this year, you know, we spent a lot of time last year, kind of the basics, um, you know, focus on, you know, very you know, production level things, because we've now reached a point with Cube where, you know, a lot of it's in production. A lot of people are putting this in production. They want to put it in production. Um, so RBAC feels like kind of a great way of doing that because it gets into, you know, who's authorized to do things. How do you make sure that rogue things don't happen and so forth? Um, so let's, let's talk about the basics. So you, you, you know, you talked about the, the concept, um, you know, can something do something to something at a certain location? Um, what are the what are the basic concepts of, of RBAC that as people are digging through the docs, they're t- talking about the terminology. Like, what are the basic concepts they kind of have to be aware of? 
Um, so the the you know the thing like everything Coob uh, goes back to the API, right? And the sort of like um, as you walk through the the type of verbs are the the type of actions you're taking uh, on a object, which are all the you know the typical the the Kube objects. So if you're you know if you're seeing an API endpoint, you usually see it all right there. You know slash slash app slash deployments. You know um, you, you'll see it right there. So it's it's the the typical Kube stuff you'd expect. Um, and then just really the, the, the ends of it, right? The, the, the noun, if you will, is, is either a user or service, uh, and the location is really focused on either cluster wide or, or namespace. Okay. So yeah, so there's really, there's, and, and Jordan does a really nice job in his video and we're going to, we'll point to that one as well. But basically he says, look, you know, you have a, you have an actor, uh, which is a, you know, even either an individual or user or service. Um, and they're going to take some sort of action, you know, do something or don't do something. And then you have the concept that you can either apply the ability to do that at a global level, which is going to really be at a cluster level, or if you can do that at a local level, which would be at a namespace level. So, um, you know, that's the the basic concept you want to get is that there's this idea of a role, which is a, a user. And then you're going to bind that role. You're going to do a role binding to that action. And then you're going to decide, do I apply that at a cluster level or do I apply that at sort of a local level? And what that gives you is, you know, a nice broad set of ability to make things very granular or very high level in terms of how you want to, how you really want to configure things and, and, and grant permissions or deny permissions. Yeah, I mean, the, the way I think about roles, you know, if you're coming from, say, a, you know, operating system background or something else, roles are more like groups, right? So, um, you know, where you're saying uh, what role a, a user – they're not because, you know, you do have the, that concept. But but think about it that way of a way to, like, roll up those capabilities. Uh, so, you know, that's where you see stuff like admins or, view, or, say, a role that's view only or something like that. That's the, you know, what permissions, you know, that you're going to uh, feed into that role. Yeah. So one of the things that people might be thinking um, as they're, they're thinking about this, they're going, okay, I have to run this in production. Uh, we, we need to be enterprise grade or, or whatever. Um, and, and now you're talking about individual users and individual services, and maybe they've got hundreds of, you know, users, thousands of users, you know, tens or dozens of services. Like, has Kube done anything? Has the Kube community done anything um, to make this simpler to, to roll out? Like, it, does anything come by default? Or, you know, what do they have to think about in terms of making it easier to roll out? Yeah, so so when you turn on um, and the the Kube API, uh, when you turn on RBAC, it creates some default roles um, and some system roles and things like that out of the box. Um, but the the idea is you can to really uh, think through some of these roles and and how you bind them is to do it in the place where it makes the most sense. So, like for example, say you're creating a role that um, can um, you know, deploy certain apps or whatever. Like you don't want to, if you create it at say the, the local level at the namespace level, then if you have, you know, 20 namespaces, you need to create it 20 times. Well, it makes more sense to create it at the, at the cluster level. Um, but then just bind it at the namespace level. So that way it can, it's a, it's a universal definition of, you know, this user can, you know, say delete pods, and then that's the role, and then you're applying it to make it a, that full, you know, full RBAC. And when you bind it, you're you're binding it as a as a local role. So it's so it's you know, user Brian can delete pods at namespace, uh, pod control podcast or whatever. Right. right. And then you know, user cluster admin can do things and namespace, you know, sort of star if you will could do things across a whole bunch of them, but maybe an individual user can't. That makes a lot of sense. And the other thing that that Jordan pointed out was he said, you know, um, the community has done a nice job. Most of the 
most of the popular tools and, and definitely kind of all of the products slash distributions um, are now including, you know, uh, enabling RBAC by default, right? So you, you're going to sort of get it. It's going to come with the, the installer upgrader that you tend to use, um, and you don't have to sort of like handcraft it, if you will. Now, one of the things that, that Jordan sort of went through um, as, he, as he worked this thing down, and he does a really nice job of sort of starting at a high level, working down through um, the capabilities of it, is he, is he said, you know, there's, there's a few things that, that have um, RBAC roles sort of defined by default, right? So Cube Scheduler, Cube Controller Manager, and Cube Proxy all have roles defined by default. And then he kind of walked through, you know, what what do you do with nodes? Because nodes are a little bit different. Those other three things are more centralized, if you will. Um, you know, nodes tend to have more of an individual nature to them. Can you you know can you walk through a little bit of what do you do at the node level from an RBAC perspective, or do you do you even do RBAC at a node level? Well, at the basic, there's a they they have a node authorizer uh, to use for the kubelets. Um, like you said, it's a different, you know, it's, it's, it's a much different kind of scenario where they're connecting up to etcd and, and the API to, to kind of check what they should be running and those types of things. And, and RBAC isn't like a perfect fit for those, um, use cases. So what you do is you, you can use more than one authorizer. So generally, you know, you're using the node one for the, you know, for the kubelets and then RBAC for all your user and API, um, use cases. Okay. So they have thought through the concept of like, okay, um, some things are going to be more individualized and maybe we don't want to use those, those sort of broader RBAC brushstrokes. Now, the other thing that, that Jordan talks about, he says, okay, that's great that you have, you know, nodes and you've got, you know, uh, masters and etcd and, and things like that. But what about add-ons? What about stuff that's going to come into the system, um, whether it's, you know, monitoring, logging, uh, you know, network plugins, SDNs, storage plugins, like how does RBAC think about that or how should uh, you know, a system admin think about plugins um, or add-ons, if you will, in an RBAC sense. So, the, in you know, kind of he describes in sort of in a perfect world, right? Your your manifest for your add-on, let's say it's a you know networking a, a CNI plugin networking add-on. Uh, in their manifest, when you go to deploy them, um, it will have the roles they need to you know the bare minimum roles it needs. Um, you know, in a, in a perfect security context to, to do what it needs to do, you know, what it needs to be able to read, what it needs to be able to write and, and what namespaces, all that kind of stuff. So not only can you evaluate it up front before you install it, here's what, here's what I'm going to be granting to this plugin. Um, but then it's, it's kept to the bare minimum versus just like, Oh, just give it like cluster admin role. Um, and then also they can create their own sort of, you know, the permissions you need for, for those tools, depending on how they're plugged in. So that way you may need to, uh, give roles like some network admin role for the plugin to the kube users as well. So like in a perfect world, all of that's defined within the plugin. Um, in, in a less than perfect world, there's there's other ways to um, to to give those authorizations, whether it's you know more blanket ones or you know using existing roles, or it really depends on what that third party add-on is and and how much you trust it or need to trust it. Right, right. And he said, you know, it really it, there isn't sort of a, a de facto way of looking looking at it, you know, like you said, there, there may be some things that come by default, which would be awesome. And, you know, we would, we would always encourage people that are building those add-ons to, to sort of do that. Um, you know, he said the, the, the other end of the spectrum ends up being sort of the, uh, handcrafted artisanal, artisanal, uh, you know, customizations that you have to build by, you know, looking at logs, figuring out exactly all the different ways that that plugin is going to, is going to interact with stuff and, um, you know, and potentially having to build your own custom roles based on, you know, basically, you know, your experience that you see in the logs and, and sort of a lot of painful stuff. Now, 
he did go into something which I thought was pretty interesting. Maybe you can walk through a little bit of, um, he, he talked about this thing called, um, audit to our back and, uh, you know, how he, you know, how you might be able to clear up some of the pain that comes from some things that don't come with default our back stuff. Can you kind of walk through a little bit of, you know, what, what was that tool he talked about? Yeah, so this is this is the beauty of how RBAC is set up in 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 Kube is the you know kind of as new things get added to the API again they're just you know they're just verbs and objects and things like that so when you know if something is not explicitly authorized at a, at a higher level you know it'll get denied so whether it's something new added uh, it's great that you know there there isn't to be like oh we need to you know if the role doesn't exist in this version of kube or anything like they can always just be created so um whether it's you have a tool that needs very weird specific you know custom permissions or there's some new customizations you've done to kube where you know the normal roles don't have those permissions kind of things you need to figure out how to create uh, custom roles. Uh, and you can obviously, like we've talked about, you can create custom roles that, that can define whatever permissions you want. Um, and one of the ways he uh, looks at doing it is using logs, which this, I mean, he you know makes a reference to SE Linux and people doing similar things where you're like, I'm trying to run my app and SE Linux is breaking it. So instead of doing uh, you know set and force zero, I, can, I have a tool, there's a tool um, that can, you know, m- look at the SE Linux logs and see like, well, let's see what's being denied. And then I'll, I'll add that permission to this app. So this works, this audit to RBAC tool he created that's on uh, GitHub and, and we'll have the link in the show notes, uh, basically does the same thing. It watches uh, the kube the logs and um, looks for attempted, you know, permission, attempted um, authorizations and then logs them and then creates a role that would have allowed that. So he gives a really slick demo uh, that's that's worth checking out. Where basically he has a, a script that's going to run a bunch of commands, uh, kube commands, um, and at the same time he he runs this tool in like a loop. And just watching for these commands and then creating the role, updating the role. That's the, the impressive thing. It's not so much creating a role like here. I, I you know, I'm trying to hit all these things and okay, I pulled through the logs and created a role. Is um, it creates the role and then he just keeps updating it. And the thing that was kind of like the the eye popper to me was. I'm giving you all these little permissions, but then once I gave you that next one where it's like, well, it's just easier, that's all of them, so I'll just move that to the roll-up, the permission above that. Watching it take those out and move it up and sort of consolidate them was was really impressive. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the nice thing about that is it's it's a nice tool. And, you know, and he was he was very clear to point out, look, this isn't a perfect tool, it, but it should get you, you know, 90, 95, 97% of the way there. And then you may have to do some minor cleanup. But in terms of, you know, the ability to bring in new capabilities or you want to experiment with, okay, if we, you know, we allow certain users or certain applications to come into the system a certain way, um, you know, this is a really nice way to start with, you know, kind of everything's blocked. And then we, we, we see what the system does, the types of calls it makes, the, the interactions it makes. And then we, we kind of have this, not only do we have an audit log of it, but we have a system that kind of dynamically builds us something that says, okay, this will give us something that'll work and something that is still, uh, you know, conforms to that sort of, you know, least privilege model of, you know, only allow it to do the things that it absolutely needs to work. And um, so, again, there may be lots of other ways that people do it, but it was, uh, you know, it was nice to see people go, okay, this is a known problem. This is a known sort of uh, thing that's going to take you a lot of time to make work. And then here's a tool that's going to sort of automate that as you go along and get you, like he said, 90, 95, 97% of the way uh, as we get there. So that was very nice and, and sort of a nice part of the video at the end that, uh, you know, you can definitely look at and go take a look at it on GitHub. And then the last thing that he talked about um, was, you know, what's sort of what's, what's coming next. And, 
he introduced this concept of aggregated roles, which is coming in 1.9. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, kind of where aggregated roles is going and, and just the one, one or two basic things that it kind of solves in terms of, you know, much broader scale uh, operational, you know, maintenance and so forth. Sure. So I, I think, you know, you can see the difference of why it was created um, and then also uh, kind of how it was built actually I think makes a – it looks a little confusing at first, but it makes a ton of sense. Uh, it's not limited to, you know, the, the initial use case. So, so basically the idea of an aggregated role is I can create a – I can create a role. Um, say I create a cluster role um, and then I can create in that cluster role what they call an aggregation rule, uh, which says – match these labels um, and you give it a label um, so basically what it says is and then the rules or whatever the rules are for that for that uh, role that way um, all you have to do is um, match that uh, another role so basically you can have existing role and have a whole bunch of roles basically kind of think of it like a, a database union right like I can give you a whole bunch of these other ones and attach them to this role plus this role's existing rules. Um, where the first initial use case is the the sort of the built-in admin edit view uh, roles that are the default with the cluster. Now you can add additional things that's so like your view role. Let's say, for example, you added a a uh, a monitoring uh, add-on or, or a logging add-on. Well. The view rule doesn't include that because it's not part of Kube. It's you know it's not right there. But you could add a basically an aggregated role that adds that to aggregate it up to the view rule. So that way, you know these new permissions to see the logs also get that. So now you can stick. You don't have to create a custom, you know, view role that has what view had plus this. It allows you to roll it into the existing view. So that's that's where it's really powerful. Is you know letting. Um, people stick with that because if you think about it, you know, again, going now you're talking like production day two, day three plus, if you're using some of the default roles and something comes along, now you need to change to a custom role. And then if you're, you know, how does that impact other plugins or, you know, later on down, you're like, why, you know, we applied this update. Why didn't it work? Oh, we're using this weird admin role, not the default one and, and all those types of complications. Um, I think this is a really kind of really slick way to be able to expand the the default roles without having to create custom ones. Yeah, yeah. So definitely something for folks to take a look at if they're you know if they're playing with one nine or you know they begin start using it. I, I think it really gets into sort of the realities of of production, which is you know we're in production and we got started with production with a small uh, you know sort of center of excellence size. Um, set of applications. And then all of a sudden, you know, a year later, we have to deal with 10x the number of applications from four or five different groups. Maybe we acquired an organization or a couple of organizations. Maybe we have, uh, you know, some outsourced uh, contractors that are working with us. If if you don't have the ability to do those aggregations, um, you know, around permissions, around uh, roles and bindings and so forth, you're going to be doing kind of, a, again, a lot of handcrafting of things. So um, nice job by the Kubernetes community of starting with a, a concept, making sure it was, was good and stable, and then being able to say, how do we expand that um, to, to give you more sort of enterprise types of use cases? So um, very, very cool. Well, listen, um, hopefully people like this format. You know, again, uh, you know, definitely go take a look at the video. Uh, we're going we're gonna to use this format, uh, or at least going to try this format of, you know, using some of the, the really smart people that were at KubeCon, using their content, trying to put it into... Uh, you know, podcast form, try and educate around what was what was talked about. And then you can kind of go back and forth between them for, for certain topics. So Tyler, with that, uh, I think we'll wrap it up. Any last thoughts about the RBAC stuff? Or uh, I feel like we covered it pretty well. 
No, I, I think we I think we hit on it, and like and like you said, I think it's a key component to a you know more production enterprisey type deployment. Or these are the types of things. It's it's cool when I'm running you know uh, a Kube cluster locally on my machine and not really worrying about RBAC roles. But if you if you're doing it for real, it's a it's a really powerful tool. Yep, yep, especially with. All the bad stuff in security going on these days or attackers and so forth. You want to make sure you're safe out there. So, folks, with that, uh, I'm going to wrap it up for Tyler and myself. I uh, hope you enjoyed today's show. And as always, if you have feedback, you want to give us some feedback, uh, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on, on the show notes, uh, hit us up on email. Send us your topics you'd like us to, uh, to focus on, and uh, we will see you next week. 